Every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on another episode of the Blunderground Railroad. My name is Tom, and with my wingman Steve. Hey, hey, doing? We are talking about the Christian Mind by Harry B. Myers, and we are currently in part number two. And what we're doing is we've looked at the Christian mind or the lack thereof, uh, what a Christian mind is. Uh, and if you're wondering, it is a mind that is based upon Christian presuppositions. Yep. You are aware of the unspoken assumptions that other people have and how they compare to the presuppositions that you have, which are based upon the Christian faith. Right. And in part two here, we've been talking about the Christian, uh, the Christian concept of truth. Uh, we've been talking about uh, different uh, pillars, uh, if you will, of the Christian mind. And today we're in chapter number four. We're talking about the Christian mind's acceptance of authority. Yeah, and people's acceptance of authority, whether they're Christian-minded or not. Yeah, no doubt. And this was a little bit of a, a, a sticky—this uh, is a bit of a sticky chapter for me, even. I'll be—I'll admit it. So, I mean, I've always had issues with authority. Um, and so uh, I'll, I, part of that is uh, just because I'm argumentative. Uh, part of that um, is uh, because I like to talk and, and, and I, I like to, to turn over ideas. But there's always been— some really, I've never been able to know quite why, because I am a Christian and I do submit to authority, and yet at the same time, I seem to have this this problem. And as I've been reading in the book, at the beginning parts, uh, I've really began to to see how the world influences the way that you, you act and think in the sense that you can be double-minded about something. Yeah, well, it can, for sure. And pride, we know, yeah. is... Uh... Chiefs well, like yeah, I mean that's that's like your the biggest downfall of man. You know that's that's the the easiest snare to be caught in. Um, that that'll lead you to sin is just. I I saw that in in some Facebook groups that I mm. I joined recently. Yeah. Uh, really, it was morbid curiosity that led me into these things, and just people that. Uh, I mean, all the way to idolatry was was running rampant, and it was people that were just making up their own way to heaven you know using right. and we'll get into that later in this chapter but yeah people people using their own moral standards rather than rather than than gods and it's so true man and that's and that's pride yeah that's what that is it's yep. it's it's not something we think about you know we but, just that's how we're born we all have that sinful nature boy we really do you know? and that's one thing that's so we talk about a lot is you have to start at that sinful nature. And I love the way Bemeyer's in the chapter. He talks about how Christianity, Christian truth, mm-hmm. and its authority is something that takes takes control of you rather yeah. than you taking control yeah. of it. Yeah. Right? That's something that, like, if you don't voice it out loud, you never really get it. Like, you kind of understand the concept, but it's, it's a totally different thing to, to voice it out loud. And on on, on my other podcast, I, yeah. I went through... 
this exact idea. It's like the second paragraph in this chapter. And yeah. He says, one cannot seriously contemplate the first elementary truths of Christianity, the doctrine of the divine creation of man and his world, the doctrine of the redemption, and the doctrine of the church without realizing that here is something which is either authoritative and yep. binding or false. Yep. You know, deserving of submission or of total neglect. Right. So deserving of submission or total it's neglect. It's one or the other. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's I, right. You know, but you. You talk to to these these atheists, yeah. and really the, the the thing is, is you can't get past you can you can't get anywhere with them until they understand you know Romans three twenty three, and and not right. necessarily just because it's the, that verse or it's because it's the beginning of Romans road. Yeah, it's they have to understand why they need God. If they don't even understand they're a sinner. You, you get nowhere past that. You're wasting your breath. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. People some, go, oh, God is love. Really? Right. He said, think not that I've come to bring peace, but a sword. Right. Well, you, <laughs> you know, you, people, can't, people can't see the sin. They can't see, they can't recognize things as sin. They can't, they, they want to, you know, he talks yeah. about this when he talks about an egalitarian attachment. He says, um, you know, people look at authority especially authority from God as being some sort of a, an egalitarian it, it, like it, it's not it's not a godly egalitarianism like Christianity is not a godly egalitarianism yeah you know you're not saying well you know ultimately people in the world we should all be the same and we should all have the same opportunities and we should all have the same outcomes but there's a godly way to do it and then there's another way to do it you know like that that's <laughs> not that's not the point it's pretty arrogant to think that we uh, we could figure out what God's mind is right our, exactly. Oh, we, yeah, well, we know what he thinks. He says it in the book. He says the secular heralds, uh, the secular press heralds reports. Uh, he talks. He's talking about um, when he's talking about uh, the way that they um, they treat Christians by not giving them the title. You know that by uh, by by talking about their their names. And he says um, he says Christianity is not an individual contribution to a debate which has only just opened, which will continue for a long time, and will never, in fact, reach a conclusion. Yeah. You know, like you can't use Christianity to argue a point that you believe doesn't have a reasonable conclusion. You know, like he talks about this with argument. Like you can just cite the you can just cite the Bible and then you can just see what happens. You know, yeah. like if you if you if someone doesn't believe in original sin, then the arguing that the points you're, you're not. No, no, it's it's absolutely pointless because they have made up their own truth and they will find any way around that that they possibly can. Anything you say, they're going to refute it. And I've seen it refuted with, like, some real stupid arguments. Yeah, all right. <laughs> like, I'm talking the most basic arguments. If you if you corner somebody with, with biblical truth, which yeah. I, I hate to put it that way, but sometimes it sounds like you're, you're cornering these people with it, but it's like he says this stuff in the chapter where he's talking about we don't really have room for negotiation here. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, when, when he gets to talking about marriage. No, he really does. That's true. He does. He? Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, marriage. That's a great one. This one here, too, I, I will point out. I finally found it. It's near the end of the chapter. Uh, it's a great point that he makes. He says, God is posited because the brain likes it that way. It wants to dwell upon a cause as well as upon an effect, upon a purpose as well as upon an activity. In other words, the individual intellect summons up a god in order to satisfy its thirst for system and order. Man, if that that is how atheists 
view why we have Christianity. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, you well, you they made this up because you have to have a God. I actually had some woman the other day, an atheist. Yeah, right. She she claimed to be a, a former Christian, mm-hmm. but she was like, you know, you don't have to be scared to death. It's it's okay. No. This woman was absolutely convinced in her mind the reason I was a Christian is because I'm scared to death. Yeah, no, I know. I'm like, no, I didn't have to make up some God so I feel better. You see this You see this a lot with people who were formerly in the church. Yeah. I always call this, uh, and, and maybe I'm a little bit disparaging when I say it, so I probably should stop, but I mean, I always call this the Aaron Rodgers defense, you know, because this, yeah. this is what Aaron Rodgers does, you know. He always, either they try to say good things like about Christians, but they always do it in this backhanded way. They always say it, they'll always do it this way. They'll say, uh, you know, it's uh, interesting. Bill Myers, in his day, back in 1961, he says that, oh, they do it by not giving bishops the title. You know, they'll say Dr. Jones instead of Bishop yep. Jones, right? Well, in our day and age, uh, here in 2023, the way it's done normally is people will say, I understand that some people need a God in order to get through the day. Oh, my goodness. Right? People say that. And people say, like, I personally don't because I'm in a different spot. You know, and so I personally can get through the day by yeah. myself. But, like, I understand that people like my mom, who's a good person and I love her, I understand that other people need God. So they need God, they can have him. But for me, I'm going to get through the day by myself, right? Like, this is how people did disparage it, right? And so, you know, they always do, like, the Aaron Rodgers thing. They're like, oh, well, I'm such a good person and so benevolent because I, I let people, I give people the space that they need, but maybe one day they'll eventually work their way out of it. You know, like, you know, it's like a dog peeing on the carpet, you know, like, oh, you know, well, we're going to clean it. We're going to put up with it for a while, but eventually the dog's going to grow out of it, you know, because we're such good dog owners, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, again, that's the Jesus crutch thing that, that people say that we, we have as Christians. And that's why, uh, you know, we have to have Jesus in our life, or, yeah. or we seek it because we have no explanation, and man needs to have an explanation for, right? Um, you know what? They need to have a a story for creation of how things came to be. Like man right. has this need to understand everything. Yeah. So we just throw God in in that place. But and I've had so many people say, "Well, that's that's your God." Yeah. Right. And I just it's. It's irresistible, but I have to say it. I'm like, actually, that's your God, too. You just don't right. know it. Like, that's I right. can't find a nice way to say, you're going to find out you're wrong. I can't yeah. find a way to say that without sounding arrogant. Sounding arrogant, yeah. I think a lot of it, too, Blumeyers does a great job. He says, again, at the end of the chapter, he says, God is not the bolster of our human wisdom. You know, right? yeah, right, right. You know, he's like, not there as, as supplementary. Exactly. It says God is not the buttress of our self-sufficiency, you know, no. right? Like, like, well, the goal of humanity is to be self-sufficient and to be productive. And, you know, believing in God helps us to do that. So that's a good thing, you know, right? Like, no, that is not. And he says, this says, Jesus Christ comes nearest to representing what divinity must be like is a long, long way from Christian self-commitment. You know, he talks about Jesus being the, um, you know, the the despoiler of our human self-reliance. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I think really, it really comes down to, I think it does come down to those, those presuppositions. Because my, a lot of my Christian journey changed when I heard, I heard a guy talking and he gave a speech. And I don't, I don't remember who he was or what it was. One of my great feelings, I never wrote it down. But uh, he, he said, he said, he was talking to young Christians, and he said, 
you don't have to fear the public square. You don't have to worry about going out and saying God's name and defending God. Like he, and he said, he said for 2,000 years, people have been trying to deconstruct and destroy and, 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 and get rid of the Bible, and it has happened every day all over the world for 2,000 years. And he said no one's been able to do it. The smartest people in the world have gone on debates and tried to disprove the Bible. And he said they've done it over and over again. And the best they can do at the end of the day is a stalemate where nobody wins. He says that's the best they can do. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry about it because you can defend the faith and the worst thing that can possibly happen to you is that it all comes down to faith in the end anyway, which is what Hebrews 11.1 1 says. So you're not even outside the word of God when that happens. No. Because it comes down to faith anyway. So I mean, like, you're not, right? Which is, which is one of the things that makes our, uh, our argument towards being Christians uh, kind of hard to defend without apologetics. That's mm. why I like to use apologetics. Yeah. All right, because right. it's, I've said it before, yeah. Christ used apologetics, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, he walked around for three years doing miracles in front of people. Right, yeah. You know? Uh-huh. He told people that, you know, people have waited, you know, generations to see what you're seeing right now. You're blessed to be able to see this. Yes, right, know? right, that's right. And, and blessed are the people that, uh, you know, believe, but, ha- you know, haven't seen this. Um, yeah. The, the Apostle Paul used a lot of apologetics. So I try to connect with people on that level um, because that's what I needed. But ultimately, it comes down to, we. he, he says it right here, He's, he says, indeed, the current rejection of authority is so intimately bound up in people's minds with the worthwhile and noble efforts of our generation that one is staggered at the magnitude of the task of trying to rehabilitate the concept of authority as something est- uh, esteemable. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you're, boy, it's so right. Yeah, you're not going to... I, I think we're headed downhill. I, I don't know. I've lost optimism in society. Yeah. <laughs> Where no, we a, are, but a lot of it is authority. But a lot of it is, the, he talks, he says, the metaphysical free play of the human mind by which God is doc, docketed along with absolute values, moral imperatives, and the like, is itself as secularist in spirit and purpose as the manufacturer of rockets with a view of reaching the moon. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it's really true. You get like a guy, for example, like Russ Ducat, you know, like I don't know Russ Ducat from, from anybody. Okay. So like, I don't know him, I haven't met him and I could be totally wrong, but like, I do wonder sometimes, mm-hmm. like I do wonder sometimes maybe David Brooks is a better, uh, is a better uh, example, but uh, you know, a guy like David Brooks who claims to be a Christian and says, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer. But then you look at it, and then when you read David Brooks, or sometimes Russ Ducat, um, but maybe David Brooks is a better example. But the uh, when you read a guy uh, like Brooks, you can clearly see through his writing that God for him is a framing mechanism that he frames for morality because he's, he likes to make logical arguments and he likes to be able to kick around ideas. And that's a lot easier to do with the moral framework that's consistent, right? And so Christianity becomes like the best version of this thing, you know? Yeah. Where like, you know, where like, you know, basically like, hey, once we get this thing figured out, we can get rid of it and get something better, you know? But like for now, it's the best thing going today, you know? So like you can just kind of see it. So you don't see David Brooks out saying, well, you know, this is what the God says about it in the Bible. And so this is what we all, you know, so this is it, and it's either going to be this way or it's going to be no way. 
you know? Right. It's just for now, it's convenient. Right. It's the best thing we have. Exactly. Yeah. What or you it, just said. Or it's overly egalitarian. You know, like this yeah. whole, like now, like um, I think a lot. Uh, I see it on on uh, online sometimes. People will say, Joseph and Mary were the first refugees. You know, so now you know it's all. Now we need to be able to take care of uh, of refugees crossing the border because of Joseph and Mary, and and that is what we need to do, right? Well, I'm not trying to say refugees are good or bad, or or or, or not. I don't want to parlay into it. Talk about the border, but I do want to say that that making sure that refugees, you know, are 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 fed or not fed, like this doesn't come down to like God's authority, you know. No. So like that's like God's authority is less about egalitarian, like the expression of egalitarianism, and it is about God being sovereign, you know, about God getting to set the exception. That's it. Right. That's it. You know, like so, you know, do I think that refugees should be fed? I think all people should be fed. I think if you're living in a town and your next door neighbor is starving, you should bring us some food. You know, like I think this kind of goes along with everything. Right. Yeah. And the Bible even even teaches that, you know. Yeah. You know, you're someone wants a fish, you know, you're not going to give them a stone. Right. Right. Um, but people add to and take away from the word or they get what they want from it. They use it to their advantage uh, because it happens to be, because it's the truth, it does happen to be the, the most plausible explanation, you know, that, mm. that seem that, that would fit to be usable for whatever you want to use it for, Yeah, uh, which you shouldn't be using it in that framework, obviously. But that's what people end up doing, and they, they use it for a few things. They, they use it for, we see... You know, we have these mega churches that use it for yeah. for power, right? Uh, in order to get money, um, we see people like I said when they when they add and, and they take away from scripture, they 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 are, they pervert it where they put more into it than than is there. It's a very simple message. Acts sixteen thirty one sums it up. I I believe in a whosoever gospel. It says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. And I think we need to be careful when we examine people that, you know, maybe write in a certain way, like uh, the gentleman you just, just mentioned. Yeah. I, I Of course, I, I can see things like that, uh, just like in the groups I was in. Right. I'm, I'm like, whoa. And that kind of stands out to me. Right. However, there's one master. The Bible tells us that. Yeah. And you know what? Hey. If he happens to be calling upon the same name that I am, then right. I'm, hey, God is able to make him stand. Whatever God's judgment is going to be on that. Amen. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's, it's right. It's right. Right. It's exactly. It's right. Whatever he says is right. It's right. I can't know that person's heart. Yeah. They might just be completely biblically ignorant. Or, hey, right. I might be biblically ignorant. I don't know. Yeah. I need to focus on me yeah. and not focus on them. We, but like I said, we can see those things. Yeah. And there are some things you can see where you're like, well, that's definitely biblically wrong. But even if it's biblically wrong, you need to be careful about causing stumbling blocks. Because when Christ talked about offenses that must come, yeah, that word offenses mm. is stumbling block. If yeah. you look that up in the in the Greek, yep, uh, manuscripts, that's what that is. Mm. And so we know how that verse ends. <laughs> And right. that sounds pretty horrible. Uh, so I don't want to cause, you know, apostasy. Uh, so I'm very, I'm, I'm very careful, and, and we need to be careful when we're examining people's 
writings like that in this chapter some of it some of it is pretty pretty harsh cuz yeah there's a there's a dividing line and i think people do take the term eschatology way too far mm. i think a lot of people use that and it's just laziness it's right it, uh, there's not much in the bible that you can't figure out mm, if right. you don't know something yeah the answer is probably very clear in scripture you just have to look yeah have to look for it but people aren't willing to be Bereans these days mm-hmm. they're 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 committing idolatry without even knowing it yeah idolatry right. does not have to be bowing down to a golden calf that's right right idolatry is if you place anything in your life if the sum total of, of it right. is 50.1 percent or yep. more then you have placed God on a lower shelf yep and that is idolatry. That's right. It's part of the reason for separation, you know, is that a lot of times by not separating, you can become you become involved in idolatry without realizing it. Yeah, because covetousness, people don't understand. Right. That's idolatry. Right. That's right. It's very, very clear in Scripture that right. you can't do that. Right. And again, I can't judge whether or not people can do that. But like you said, that's why we're supposed to come together to exhort one another uh, in order to, you know, we're supposed to correct one another. We're supposed to admit our faults to one another. It's what it says in James, I believe, right? right? Yes, that's right. Confess your faults one to another so that you may be healed. Yep. Right? Pray without ceasing. You're supposed to pray for one another as well. Yeah. That's also, right. You know, that's in James, and that's, that's right. Half right after that. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm just, I'm careful where I where I judge somebody. There's a difference between judging and exhortation. Yeah. Um, there is a dividing line, but we got to, we got to do it in a loving, in a loving way. And loving with this way. chapter being about authority, I just want to be careful how we use the term authority. And I think we've lost a lot of Christians or even people that were never Christians. I think we've lost them to legalism, which is you got modern day Pharisees really that don't even realize it. Yeah, I think there was there was three things that in this chapter that really hit me uh, that I I felt really just flew off the page for me. He talked about the state. He talked about fatherhood, mm-hmm. and uh, and there was a, a third form uh, that he talked about uh, that was social justice. Oh yeah, right in the institutions. Right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for the. Um, the, so I, I think for the first thing was, was fatherhood, and, and I think it's a good word, a good place to start because he t- this was something that I hadn't really given much thought to, and it really was a big moment for me. I'll say reading the chapter was an aha moment, or it really blew my mind. Lots of these chapters, yeah, are. lots of our. If you haven't read the book, you're not reading the book along with us. Right. It's Harry Myers. The Christian Mind. You go out and you buy it. Uh, it's going to be whatever it costs. I think ten dollars, twenty dollars is going to be a really good investment for you. You read it, and your life's going to get a lot better. Uh, so, th- this concept of fatherhood was fatherhood is actively being deconstructed today, and it has to do with the connection between love and authority, right? So, uh, Bo Myers talks about this, and, and I, it just blew my mind when he talked about it because the father, the father is the father is how people learn. That's how children are going to learn that that authority that that 
that you love by having authority, right? Mm-hmm. The church, the church, I think, uh, and the modern church struggles with this in terms of its concept of servant leaderhood, right? So if you can go to any church in America, and if you're there long enough, you'll hear the term servant leader. Mm. And so, but where the church has a problem sometimes is it can't decide whether leaders lead by serving or if leader or if leaders serve by leading right so what is the service is the service the service or is it the leadership so for example like with a father the father uh so uh the um so the father there's this connection between love and authority okay uh and so uh the father leads by making restrictions and he leads through because he does things that other people have to do they have to come underneath and they have to have obedience the father says do this right and it gets done right so there's this so it, it comes from it's the concept of submission and obedience right so in the bible the wife is told to submit submit to the husband that's the goal, right? Now, the husband isn't a tyrant, right? The husband is, is told to be obedient to Christ. And so the husband, the obedience is demanded from the husband. And so the husband, when he's turned left, is the obedience is being demanded from him. So he turns around. Right, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, we have standards as well. Some people think that the Bible's misogynistic when it comes to that. But what are we told about our wives? Love well, your wives. Well, that's Christ, right. Love the church. Well, that's right. So, but what it is is that the husband turns around to the right hand side, and then he demands obedience from his family, yeah. and then the wife demonstrates the submission by submitting to her husband. Yes. And so, what ends up happening is the children see that dad loves us, dad protects us, dad provides for us, mom submits. So when the kids get older and the kids get to start contemplating adulthood, they think, "Oh, dad submits to God. I uh, dad obe- is obedient to God. I'll be obedient to God." And yeah. they see that that fatherhood that it's the difference between love and obedience and submission. And so uh, you see that in in fatherhood. So therefore, fatherhood is directly related to a relationship with God. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, as a culture. If we deconstruct the idea of God, then fatherhood's out the window, right? Because that's what you get is modern fatherhood. You get modern fatherhood whenever we get rid of God. Yeah. Well, I I have this all. Yeah. I had the same thing highlighted in red. Yeah. Is, yeah. There is now something faintly ridiculous about the idea of a father trying to assert binding authority in the home, yet God remains in religious utterance preeminently our father, even though a father as currently imagined is no longer either authoritative or even dignified for the comic strips in the cheap uh, in the cheap press have reduced the father to the stature of a genial and clumsy butt and exactly boy that's homer simpson you know yep al bundy boy you know yep that's i i don't know i attribute that stuff to to satan that's no, just... it's so true. It's so true. If you've ever done any research, you can research it out. Like with the Simpsons, it's actually really great. They actually, uh, there's like a little subculture where they um, they actually try to identify the episode. And there's general agreement on the, it, it, no, it's great. It's one of the episodes at the nuclear power plant. Well, anyways, but uh, there you can actually try to, you can zero in on the actual episode where Homer goes from, Homer goes from 
um, from, um, you know, blundering dad with a heart of gold to blundering idiot, right? Huh. So, like, you can actually look at the episode. Anything before that episode, then Homer is basically... Homer's like the rest of us, right? He, he he's trying to figure it out. He goes long. Yeah. He he makes mistakes, but at the end, by the end of the episode, he figures it out, and and he's endearing enough to keep the whole thing going, and and you know, it kind of gives you hope for the future. You know, get a little encouragement for those of us that you know don't just fall out of bed and have it all figured out. Mm, yeah. Then at a certain <laughs> yeah right. Some of us. Then at a certain point, though, you can look past that episode, and then Homer just becomes like a blumping idiot. He's just a moron, and 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 the only thing to do is just to laugh at him and mock him, and so. So actually, you can you can look at it from the point where the episode came out, and you look at fatherhood and how you know you can see that fatherhood goes from not being like oh dad's doing his best and you know we can laugh at it while he figures it out to dad's just an idiot right and dad just needs to listen to other people and get out of the way huh. right I didn't know there was a I know there's a lot of interesting things about Simpsons. That's yeah, no, not one thing I no. They can go on. There's like a subculture of people that argue about it, and they'll go back and say, "No, this is the episode, and this is mm. the episode," and then they try to identify the season or the episode or the point in time when you can. And so it's really interesting, you know. And I will. I'll watch the Simpsons um, every once in a while, but only before that time. You know, like I don't. I think it's like. I think it's like season eleven or season seven or season eight. I don't even remember. But like I like anything past that point, it's just not even worth your effort. This is junk and garbage well if you're if you're far enough along i I can't say if you're far enough along and in studying the bible because this is it's different for everybody every everybody's conviction levels are different oh yeah that that stuff becomes irritating to you though oh it does yeah no it does because you're just watching the decay of society and and humanity yeah yeah you know actively happen and this chapter places a lot of that on the church and it's not the first time i've heard it by the way yeah I've heard from many preachers that, in fact, one of them, it might have been, yeah, it was. I think it was Paul Washer. Yeah. Paul Washer said, you know what the number one church or problem we have in the church today? Pastors. That's what he said. Oh, yeah. And was like, what? What are you talking about? And I kind of got what he was saying. Uh, I thought I did. And sure enough, he's saying that because pastors are just, they're not going, they're not willing to preach uh, repentance. Um, they're they're preaching the the prosperity gospel, the things people want to hear, right. rather than hey, this is what God says. It's it might be inconvenient for you, it's inconvenient for me, but it is what it is. Yeah, and so we have this perverted message out there, and that's why we have people like in in these groups. It was it's unbelievable how God's authority, which is objective, yeah, it's not subjective. Uh, we are to submit to that, not. Not God form around what we like. Mm. It's unbelievable how many professing Christians in there are telling other people, "No, no, this this is what you need to do." And I'm like, I actually messaged one of them. I'm like, "You're not helping." Oh, right. Yeah. Like here, here's right. a verse. Here you go. Yeah. Right. It directly contradicts what you just said. Yeah. This right. Isn't, this isn't something you can even go. Oh, well, that's eschatology. Like you are not helping. Yeah. And, and this person was like. You know, you need to check yourself, and I'm like, okay, well, there, there goes humility right out the window. I guess right. that's yeah. that's gone. So, yeah, that's why this it's spreading like a cancer. No, it really does. I, I just like Myers always talks about like in the church, if you train people to know those presuppositions and to 
to be able to call them out instantly. You know, like I do this on Twitter sometimes, you know, like people will put together a solid argument and, and it's a great argument. And hey, if I see a solid argument that I like, there's nothing better. It's like having a, uh, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like realizing someone has a hot tub, right? You go into someone's <laughs> house and someone's like, hey, I had no idea you had a hot tub. And you're like, hey, man, let me get my, let me get my bathing suit. We're going to dive right in, right? Like, you don't care about the process. You just like, I just want to dive in a hot tub, right? So, uh, as Christians, all the time we look at these arguments and was like I do it all the time and I say I just want to dive in this argument and go because it's such a great thought or great argument but the truth is is that the argument none of it makes sense without God like without a Christian presupposition like it's all gonna fall apart so as a Christian I'm kind of like oh I need to slow my roll slow it down and I need to find out like where are we like because if if the presuppositions are based on the Bible then we're have an uphill battle because no one's going to sign on to any of the, our conclusions because uh, the presuppositions are the Bible. And if the presuppositions are not based on the Bible, well, then there's no argument. I mean, it's all going to fall apart anyway. Yeah, you have no place in that argument. Yeah, like, I mean, wh- what are you going to do? You're going to come to a conclusion. Well, then someone's going to say, well, yeah, God doesn't, because then the whole thing's going to fall apart anyway, you know? So, it, like, you kind of have to stop and then call out the presuppositions. And that's where we are in our age today. Like, no one wants to come out and call out the precept. Like, so no one needs to say, you know, it's an interesting thing you're trying to do, and I, I understand at the end of the day it's a good thing, but it's all for naught if God doesn't exist, right? Like, if you're not going to submit yourself to the authority of God, then what is the point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, then, you know, like, you know, things like divorce, right? Like, people say, well, you know, if somebody looks at me the wrong way and says a bunch of angry words and I'm uh, leaving, right? I'm out of here, right? Well, mm-hmm. if God doesn't exist, then I guess, fine, I guess, that maybe that's your prerogative. Then it's kind of there is no truth, right? At that you know? point, yeah. If God doesn't point. exist, you you are making up everything as you go along, right? And then you'll say people say, well, people are going to do what's right for other people, or people are going to do what's right for themselves. Yeah, compared to what, right? Like this is always like the um, uh, Neil Postman always talks about this, and I love it. You know, like access to information isn't making us any better. You know, like, listen, if if having access to more words and feelings, you know, being able to put words and assign them to feelings and having access to more information and have it organized for you and being able to have all this, if this made us better, then there wouldn't be any crime in New York City, right? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, look at the crime rates in New York City and say, okay, so... As, as we get more information, what happens to crime in New York, right? It should be heading a steadily downward, right? I mean, people get more informed. And people are like, wait a minute. Like, I didn't know this. Like, all this, you know, gang banging and busting up windows and, you know, kicking my dog. Like, all this, like, this doesn't make any sense. I, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get a degree. Yeah. And, you know, the crime rates would go down. But yeah, they, just like gun laws. Right. Yeah, right. Those are working swimming. Oh, yeah, right. Like gun laws, right? Like, hey, we could have more gun laws. And then people will be like, oh, you know what? I don't really need a gun. No, people are just going to get them anyway. You know? Yeah, I mean. Right. It's, so That's what's going to happen. That, right. This chapter goes back to the last chapter, by the way. Oh, and man. I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up before I got too far. And I no, it's true. And it. you know what? Look, we really apologize. Like I, we probably should have podcasted the last chapter for about seven hours, but we we just didn't have I we just didn't have the gumption to do it. So, I mean, <laughs> this, Steve, Steve doesn't let us take bathroom breaks here, so you know, it keeps, yeah, it's, it, it it's keeps rough. Us, uh, keeps us uh, keeps the time down. Run a tight ship here. You got it. Um. So, he said he said here in the last chapter he goes yet. There are those in the pulpit who, instead of asking, what is the teaching of the church on this point, ask, what do the latest modern theologians 
have to say about this point. Oh, yeah. And then he says, for the slavery uh, to fashion always takes over when the discipline of objective truth is removed. Oh, man, so and true. That, that might be one of my favorite sentences so far that we've come across. That is so good, so because good. Absolutely. It, when, when you have no objective truth, is what we just said, Yeah. what are you going to go with? Whatever the wherever the wind takes you, whatever the popular belief is at at that point. And he said something else that I kind of was like, eh, kind of disagree with. He he says if one is conscious of drawing one's convictions from a solid, deep-rooted tradition, yeah, one inevitably has a sense of quiet assurance in one's beliefs and a feeling that is the reverse of touchy defensiveness. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, one is bursting with notions which gush from sheer personal predilection operative outside the discipline of any tested tradition, one will naturally have a strong urge to advertise and justify them. I tend to, I don't know if I disagree or I want to point this out. Mm. I don't think there's a difference, though. Uh, though I understand what he's trying to get across here is that the former would have the amount of time his beliefs have been around to feel justified in believing whatever they believe. Mm. I don't think enough credit is being given here to the blind arrogance of the latter. These people who make up their own way to heaven yeah, uh, with the pride thing, yeah, it, they've held uh, their own individualistic uh, idealism from birth. It's not as though they've just reached uh, adulthood and suddenly become aware that their truth um, is is a new idea that needs proving. Rather, yeah, they've they've never left the egocentric stage of childhood. This this thinking isn't confi- confined to just theology. Look yeah. at the rest of society. Uh-huh. Naming your gender is normal. Now, I'll I'll cut Harry some slack here. Uh, given this book was written a long time ago, maybe he didn't see how bad the decay of society was going to be. Right. But I don't think I don't think there's a difference because they don't know. Yeah. There's he talks a little bit about this in the chapter because he talks about the headmaster. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of people, people who are raised without God, they don't have a concept of God as a supreme authority and a supreme being. So no. their first exposure to an outside source from their family that is a supreme authority is their headmaster or their teacher, right? Yeah. So it's their teacher. And I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher myself, so I understand this, right? So the kids, kids are told, you will listen to the teacher. And the kids see the teacher as this big figure. Right? They know all this knowledge. They have secret knowledge. They bestow knowledge. They they have some rules. They, they have certain behaviors that they allow and then they don't allow. And they're told, if you follow the teacher, you're going to be a top student. You're going to get a big gold star and you're going to have a big reward, right? Yep. Well, you know, and we've all had them. I mean, I had my teachers in school that I really liked, that I really liked, that I really, I really looked up to. And here's what happens. We grow up and we run into the teacher at the grocery store. And Different standards. Yeah, and we realize, wait a minute, why is the teacher in sweatpants? You know, yeah. like, oh, or someone tells us about the teacher's, uh, you know, sordid, uh, you know, their past, or maybe they have an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend or something, you know. Anyways, the teachers become human, and we grow up, and we look at our favorite teachers, and we say, wait a minute, you mean that teacher that you told me 
if I did everything the teacher said, I would end up going to college and getting a great job. Uh-huh. And then if I did everything the teacher said, I would get a gold star and everyone would love me. And if I if I grew if I wanted to grow if I dressed just like the teacher, if I held the same standards as the teacher does, then all of a sudden everything's gonna be I'm gonna be a happy person, right? Yep. And then we look and we say, you know what? The teacher was just a guy. None of that right? came true. Yeah. None of that came true. And we discovered that the teachers are just normal people. And and then we say, oh, this teacher was just basically just doing a job. You know, and, and and then we're told that if, hey, guess what? If you go and you do a job and you play act a job just like your teacher did, mm-hmm. then things will work out for you. And people go, baloney, you know. Because people go, fool me once, shame on me. Or like George, George, I'm like George Bush. I can't figure it out. I would get it wrong. Fool me once, shame on someone or other. And then so. Yeah. So yeah. So shame, Yeah, shame on you. It was J- fool me yeah, twice. George H.W. Bush. Shame on me. George H.W. couldn't figure it I out. I don't know. You Joe Biden would get it wrong. You too. might be able to. I got to get this. Either way, authority loses credibility at that point. No, but it does. And, and here's the thing is people go through this, right? And they get wounded. And then people say, you know. You should look into a God that loves you and has salvation for you and wants you to, to, to have the fullness of being a member of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And people say that, and people go, yeah, you know what? That was just like my teacher gave me a gold star, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, because we set up things in our lives, right? We set up, uh, you know, and people will say, people say, and then when people grow up, right? We send people to public school, and people say, you know, I thought my teacher was a great person, and now I find out that they uh, they got divorced because they cheated on their spouse. And then they go to church, and then they find out that the pastor's not a perfect person. They say, you know, this is no different than it was at school. That's, what presupposition do they have? Yeah. That's... That's the reason they they do not understand Romans three twenty three. Right. They yeah. don't understand that we are all sinful. Just because yep. you accept Christ, you are not perfect. No, that's right. It just no. means your sins are not remembered anymore. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's yep. all. That's, that's all it means. Yep. That's right. But people don't get that. People get God is love. You yeah. Know? Right. Or or they get what kind of loving God would send you to hell. Would you just read just a little bit that he's not willing that any should perish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> nobody does though, man. Nobody nobody does. And yeah. and part of that A lot of it a lot of it though is dad in the home. The father was the loving provider and defender whose hand was open in liberality and raised in protection. He was also at the very same time the awesome ruler to whom implicit obedience was due. But in the modern world, notions of supreme authority are not involved in the connotation of fatherhood. You know, like, you know, like, so mom would say, you know, well, I want to start a family. I need to get a man. Why? Because we need to have an authority, someone who's going to set the pace in the home, right? Mm. That's like going to God. Like, I need to get my life together. Oh, you should go to a church. You know, you should go, go to the Bible. See what the, see what God, you, you should find God, right? right. You know? God, fatherhood, and that's the thing is, without God, then you don't even need fathers, right? And and, and this is where the state comes in, you know, and 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 where like because he talks about that too. He talks about the state, uh, and I thought that was fairly fascinating, you know. How remember he talked about the guys at the post office? Yeah, right. Had, the, had that highlighted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about how they have like this kind of like this um uh this you know like this. Basically, they're from the inside looking at people from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I work for the state, and so I don't have any of these problems like being broke. Man behind being, the grill. Yeah, man <laughs> behind the grill, you know? Well, you know, you may be poor, 
you may have places to go. You know, you may, you know, be excited. I know these guys have doesn't apply to me. You know, no, that doesn't apply to me. You know, I got it. You got a pension, you know. Right. He's got, he gets paid very well. You know, his institution isn't under threat. You know, the post office ain't going anywhere. It could lose $17 billion tomorrow and it ain't going nowhere. You know, so he's got that assurance, you know, unions, right? Teacher unions. So if you're a part of a teacher union, you can just do whatever you want. You know, like you don't like the kid. Don't worry about it. You know, like the kid wants to throw a punch. Get out your phone. Put it on TikTok. You know, it's all it's all good, baby. You know, like you're part of the union. It don't matter what you do. So, like, you know, we, we, we want to deconstruct all this authority out, you know, to say, you know, so we wonder why people don't have a need for God. People say, well. I understand that you, that's like Aaron Rodgers, you know? I understand that you have a need for God, but for me, I'm okay. I don't fear death, you know? People, that's basically saying, I understand that you need an authority in your life to be able to tell you what to do, but no one tells me what to do. You know, it's basically, it's really, when you look at, when you, you take a step back and then you look at it, you almost you feel so, we should not be challenged by these type of arguments. We should feel sorry for these these folks, and we should be prepared to come in and really uh, to just be able to attack this and point out the the areas and their presuppositions that that are just they're, they're weak. Yeah, and you can you really can only do that uh, through study. If you if you're yeah. if you're not well studied, right, you're you're going to do more harm than you are good. Yeah, you know the we're talking about this before we started recording, but yeah, Apollos, yeah, what did he teach on? Mm-hmm. One thing, yep. the baptism of John. All he knew, yeah, it's all he knew, and he didn't preach outside of that at all. We have no record of that. Yeah, when he was instructed more perfectly in the Word by Aquila and Priscilla, well, then he went out and preached more. But he was he was right there with with Peter. And Paul, he was held in in the same esteem, mm-hmm. so much so that that Paul had to warn against people being too much for one preacher and picking out their favorite flavor. But our seeds of denominationalism, which is just wonderful that we have today, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I say that with all sarcasm. Right. Um, <clears throat> but he didn't preach outside of what he knew. Mm-hmm. He didn't take on authority that he didn't have. Because a preacher's authority ends at Scripture, period. In mm-hmm. uh, the the chapter places a lot of the responsibility of losing this whole idea of authority and losing the credibility of authority mm-hmm. on the church. Yeah, no, it does. It does. It says the church must adapt itself to the modern world. He likes to talk about this argument. Uh, which is a pretty good argument, especially for 1961, uh, but even uh, later years. And he just talks about it saying, it's favoring the authority of the world, right? Yeah. Anytime that you argue, you can either, it looks different. It feels different. It's Everything's different about it. Mm-hmm. In one sense, you're favoring the authority of the church, and the other, you're favoring the authority of the of the world, right? Or the, the authority of the word of God and the authority of the world. Mm-hmm. So if you're, and he says this too, I love this. He says, um, you know, he says that there's, you know, not a lot to argue about, right? He says, uh, yeah, you know, he says, that hey, you know that with the Christian, we have we have standards that we yeah, can't move from. That's right, and so that there's not a lot to argue about. Like at a certain point, you basically are coming along, and you basically say, "Well, all this is really interesting, but at the end of the day, you know, this is the way it is, and you know, everything outside of it is just a thought 
experiment, and this is the way that it is. And if everything beyond it is just a waste of time. You know, but when you, the world is an authority, everything becomes power dynamics and everything becomes um, everything becomes egalitarian in nature. And so what happens, you can just talk about these things endlessly. Yeah, until you know? until you've decided, one, you're either sick of the argument or two, you've you've won the argument through any means necessary, any rationale necessary. Exactly. And usually that involves accepting some sort, some version of Christian light. You know, it's 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 some version of, well. I'll tone down Christianity to the point where it can now become egalitarian yeah. for everyone to be involved. You know, yeah. like you know, it's not that some people are going to go swimming and some people are going to are, are not. It's that everyone's going to dip their toe in the water and get to experience what it's like to have wet toes. You know, yeah. So it's like it always ends up that way, and so Christians sometimes are the worst uh, are are the worst offenders at this because they have the opportunity to say no. This is what the Bible says. This is where the authority is, and everything outside of this is just too. It's a bridge too far. Those are the ones that drove me nuts the most in these forums. Yeah, in these forums. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they will. Because I'm like, you are, you're literally hurting us. Yeah. Right. No doubt. <laughs> not no not doubt. us. You're hurting God. Yeah, hurting God. Really, you know. But you're but you're making it harder for us. It's. Yeah. We you you have compromised any authority the church has at that point. Right. So. That's true. Wow, well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been wonderful. That was chapter number four, uh, talking about authority in the uh, in the church and authority for the Christian mind, its concept of authority. We will see you next time on the Blunderground Railroad. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 